Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Hope you had a great Christmas holiday, and we've got some great stuff planned for you today on today's show. Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, will be joining us, and we'll be talking about current global affairs. It's a quiet world right now, but there's a lot going on in, in spite of that. Also, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, will be joining us as well. It is December the 26th, and on this day in 1946, mobster Bugsy Siegel opened the Glipsy Flamingo Hotel in Las Vegas. Well-known singer and comedian Jimmy Durante headlined the night's entertainment with music by Cuban band leader Xavier Cugat. Some of the infamous gangster uh, Benjamin Bugsy Siegel's Hollywood friends, including actor George Raft, George Sanders, Sonny Tufts, and Georgie Jessel, were in attendance. The grand opening of the Flamingo Hotel, however, was a total flop. Bad weather kept many Hollywood guests from arriving, and because the gangsters had no rooms in the hotel, they took their winnings and gambled elsewhere. The casino lost $300,000 in its first week of operation. Siegel and his New York partners had invested a million dollars in a property already under construction by Bill Wilkerson, owner of the Hollywood Reporter, as well as some very popular nightclubs in Sunset Strip. Wilkerson had wanted to recreate the Sunset Strip in Las Vegas with a European-style hotel with luxurious rooms, a spa, health club, showroom, golf course, nightclub, upscale restaurant, and so on. But he soon ran out of the money due to the high cost of materials immediately after the war. Siegel, who held the largest interest in the racing publication Transamerica Wire, was drawn to Las Vegas in 1945 by his interest in legalized gambling and off-track betting. He purchased the El Cortez Hotel for $600,000 and later sold it for a $166,000 profit. Siegel and his organized crime buddies used the profits to influence Wilkerson to accept new partners. Siegel took over the project and supervised the building, naming it after his girlfriend Virginia Hill, whose nickname was The Flamingo because of her red hair and long legs. Two weeks after the grand opening, The Flamingo closed down. It reopened in March 1st, 1947 at the, as The Flamingo, uh, Fabulous Flamingo. Siegel forced Wilkerson out in April, and by May, the resort reported a profit, but it wasn't enough to save Siegel. Convinced that Siegel wasn't giving them a square count, it was widely believed that his partners in organized crime had him killed while he was reading the paper on June 20, 1947, at his Hills, Beverly Hills mansion. He was in Paris, having flown the coop after a, f- a fight with Siegel 10 days prior. The crime remains unsolved today. Surviving series of names and ownership changes, the hotel is now known as the Flamingo Las Vegas. The story of Bugsy Siegel and the beginnings of Las Vegas as a gambling capital in the world. Well, millions of people hunkered down against a deep freeze Sunday to ride out the winter storm that had killed at least 30 people across the United States and is expected to claim more lives after trapping some residents inside houses with heaping snowdrifts and knocking out power to tens of thousands of homes and businesses. 
The scope of the storm has been nearly unprecedented, stretching from the Great Lakes near Canada to the Rio Grande along the border with Mexico. About 60% of the U.S. population faced some sort of winter weather advisory or warning, and temperatures plummeted drastically below normal from east to the Rocky Mountains to the Appalachians, and the National, uh, the National Weather Service reported. Travel weather uh, woes are likely to continue with hundreds of flight cancellations already and more expected after a bomb cyclone where atmospheric pressure dropped very quickly in a strong storm developed near the Great Lakes, stirring up blizzard conditions, including heavy winds and snow. Some 1,707 domestic and international flights were canceled on Sunday as of 2 p.m. The roads were also treacherous. Some were found in cars. Some were found in streets and snowbanks. Uh, we know that there are people who have been stuck in cars for more than two days. Can you imagine? In spite of the weather, I hope you had a great holiday weekend and with the ones you love. Uh, it was cold here, but it wasn't certainly anything like the conditions we just discussed. Well, are you familiar with the true story of Christmas truce of 1914? It's really kind of a, it's a true miracle. War had already begun waging in Europe for months when Pope Benedict issued a plea from Rome on December the 7th to leaders of uh, Europe declare, to declare Christmas truce. Benedict saw how badly peace was needed, even if only for a day. The first battle of, uh, alone fought over October 19th to November 22nd has resulted in some 200,000 casualties, mostly uh, German and French soldiers, but also thousands of English and Belgians. The first battle of Marne was even worse. In light of this carnage, the Pope asked the guns may fall silent at least upon the night the angels sang. The European leaders ignored this plea. Then something miraculous happened on the eve of Christmas. From no man's land, the area between the trench works of the Allied and Central Forces German troops, in a spontaneous act, put down their weapons and invited English soldiers to celebrate Christmas with them. It is remembered today as the Christmas Truce. The British cartoonist Bruce Brain's father uh, was one of the many who chronicled the event. A machine gunner in the 1st Battalion of the Royal Wickfordshire uh, Regiment, Brain's father shivering in the muck of three-foot trench of cold night, munching on stale biscuits and chain-smoking when he heard the noise at about 10 p.m., uh, I listened, I recalled, away across the field, among the dark shadows beyond, I could hear the murmur of voices. He turned to fellow soldiers in the trench and said, do you hear the botches, and that would be the Germans, uh, kicking up the racket over there? Yes, said, said one. They'd been at it for some time. The Germans were singing Christmas carols, as was a Christmas Eve. In the darkness, some of the British soldiers began to sing back. Suddenly, Brain's father recalled, we heard a confused shouting from the other side. We all stopped to listen. The shout came again. The voice was from an enemy soldier speaking in English with a strong German accent. He was saying, come over here. Uh, after some back and forth talk, British troops laid down their weapons, climbed out of the trenches, crossed the barbed wire, and joined the Germans. They traded handshakes and songs. They chewed tobacco and drank wine and laughed together. These men, who earlier that day had been trying to kill each other, some accounts describe German and British soldiers playing football or soccer on makeshift fields. Other mentioned uh, British soldiers setting up barbershops and cutting, offering haircuts in exchange for cigarettes. The one thing all the accounts have in common is the general feeling of merriment among the soldiers. There was not an atom of hate on either side, uh, Brain's father recalled. 
Afterwards, not everyone was pleased with the gaiety. Some military leaders reportedly seethed over the Christmas truce, but Brain's father suggested that the soldiers themselves cherish the moment, which was sorely needed. For those who participated was surely a welcome break from the hell they had been enduring. When the war had just begun just six months earlier, most soldiers figured it would be over quickly and they'd go home with their families for the holidays. Not only would the war drag on for four more years, but it would prove to be the bloodiest conflict ever up to to that time. A miracle. Enemies joining forces together to sing Christmas carols and celebrate the holiday. A true miracle. Well, speaking of the House, Nancy Pelosi on Friday wished people a happy Schwanza (laughs) instead of Kwanzaa during remarks closing out the House's vote on the omnibus spending bill. After the 4,155-page, $1.7 trillion bill passed the House of Representatives Friday, Pelosi decided to close out the session in Congress by wishing happy holidays to several different groups celebrating this time of year, including one that doesn't exist. In her sign-off, which she claimed would probably be my last speech as Speaker of the House, Pelosi said, I yield back to the balance of my time and wish everyone a happy, healthy, and safe New Year, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and happy Schwanza. (laughs) Happy Hanukkah. It seems rather appropriate that in her last speech she wouldn't sound drunk and botch the name of a fake holiday, does it? <laughs> Happy Schwanza, said Pelosi. Well, she her term is done. Can't say it didn't happen soon enough. Well, a Republican Senator Rand Paul is out with his annual Festivus report detailing how much taxpayer money the federal government wasted throughout the year. This year I'm highlighting a whopping 482 billion dollars of waste, including a steroid-launched hamster fight club, a a study to see if kids love their pets, a study of romantic patterns of parrots. No matter how much money's already been wasted, politicians keep demanding even more, Paul states in his report. As always, the path to fiscal responsibility is often a lonely journey, but as I've done in years past, I will continue my fight against government waste this holiday season, he said. So before we get to the feats of strength, it's time for me to air our spending grievances. Of course, a reference to uh, the Steinfeld Seinfeld, uh, show. The list of uh, waste includes co- using COVID relief funds to construct an 11,000-foot uh, square-foot spa, using COVID relief funds to purchase luxury cars, unused hotel rooms for illegal immigrants, studying the romance between parrots, studying the social life and collective intelligence of ants, using mice to study racial aggression and more. As of spending of your money to, in, to research how humans feel and express love may sound ridiculous enough, the government is now funding research to see how parrots express love. In fact, the Department of Health and Human Services granted Cornell University $689,000 to study social communication in parrots, studying patterns such as social outcomes if they kiss and how males make sexual advances. I'm not kidding. I'm not making this up. This is actually uh, Rand Paul's Kwanzaa speech. He does it every year and uh, certainly worthwhile. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much waste. But one thing, we all pay taxes. And uh, it would be one thing if we didn't agree. But it's not only we agree, we, it's just total, in many cases, just total waste. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. 
The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTague, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. I hope you check it out. He's also in Tel Aviv right now. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. So let's talk about current global events, and uh, let's get an update on Ukraine. Okay, so like we've been talking the last couple of weeks, it's not been quite a stalemate, but the Russian the Russians had one area of advance in that town, I think it's spelled Buktat, and that seems to have come to a close in the sense that they're not making any more progress at this point, and Ukrainians may even be pushing them back a little bit. It's not clear. Uh, the Ukrainians seem to be waiting for for the as for the weather and the ground to now freezing, to engage in another counteroffensive. It's not quite clear where. While the Russians are trying to freeze the Ukrainians out by hitting the electric grid, 
yeah. uh, with missiles and drones that they've gotten from from Iran. Uh, it seems overnight a Russian base deep inside of Russia was attacked by the Ukrainians. Uh, not clear what the result was, except there was a big fire, and we don't know what else. The Russians claim no aircraft were hit, but I don't know what was burning, so we'll, maybe we'll find out, maybe we won't. Um, but um, the momentum remains at this point on the Ukrainian side. And the Russians are having a hard time keeping their troops in the field and feeding them and everything else that's involved in that. You know, uh, Mark, it's uh, kind of interesting. I realize that this is total propaganda, but uh, apparently on uh, the uh, TV in Russia, uh, Putin said, hey, you know what, uh, we are all for having peace talks. Uh, we realize that uh, if, if they're not happening, it's not because of us, it's because of the Ukrainians. Uh, and uh, so I just want you to understand that it's got to, and, and by the way, if we're going to have peace talks, we have to include the properties or the, the part of Ukraine that belongs to Russia. <laughs> but I wanted to get Right, to- I mean, listen, he, he's willing to have peace talks, but only on his terms. He has no, there's no willingness to negotiate anything but his terms, and it's pure propaganda at this point. Yeah. Um, please understand that. Um, he invaded, he invaded without any particular, with any good reason, to be honest. He made excuses, but he really did it because he wanted to expand uh, Imperial Russia. It hasn't gone well. He would like a ceasefire right now. There's no question he'd like a ceasefire so he can re-equip his troops and hold off the Ukrainians from further advances. But no one's willing to give him a ceasefire because a ceasefire, all the ceasefire um, will do would you know, give, give him some time to to get some more troops trained and, and equipped. So that's in no one's interest. Certainly not in the, uh, uh, certainly not in the um, Ukrainians' interest and certainly not in the West's interest. Yeah. The interest of the United States is to keep on supporting the Ukrainians. I mean, as someone wrote recently, uh, for 5% of the U.S. defense budget, we've, uh, the Ukrainians have destroyed 50% of the Russian army. Not so, a bad investment to go altogether. So uh, one of the reports I've read is that uh, apparently uh, Putin is being treated for cancer with Western drugs. I wonder if you have any comments on that. Uh, look, there have been so many tr- reports about Putin being ill in the last year. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's no way of knowing whether that's true or not. I'm sure he can get the Western drugs. I mean, look, all of the, um, all the various uh, export controls are porous to some extent, right? In other words, you may not be able to export a, you know, a 787 somewhere or those sort of things. But listen, Iran, from what I understand, just managed to get their hands on a couple of Airbuses. Uh, they didn't buy them from, from the company because they're on sanction list, but they managed to buy them from some dealer in, I think, South Africa or somewhere in, South, in Africa. They bought two used Airbuses, and now they have two Airbuses, even though they're sanctioned. Um, so sanctions are good up to a certain level, but they don't work totally. I mean, they're hurting the Russian economy terribly as a whole, but I guarantee you that the rich are still getting what they want. Absolutely. So uh, Zelensky came to Washington, D.C. and uh, made a speech. What are your thoughts? Look, he gave a great speech. It was well-received by 95% of the Congress. There was 5% that I don't even understand them, frankly. The, the critics of Zelensky... I'm not. I don't understand. To be honest with you, I do not understand where they're coming from. What their what their point is altogether um, makes no sense to me. But they're critical just the same, and there are all sorts of ridiculous things. Everybody from Tucker Carlson to 
couple of, of far right and far left Congress people. Interesting, always is the far, it's the far extremes that seem to come together, regardless of what the label is. Um, but makes no sense. It makes no sense at this point. Um, he's clearly the leading world leader on any stage at this point. Um, he stood up for democracy. He stood up for his country. He may not be perfect, and he may not have been the. He may not have been who people would have thought was the per- right person, but he's turned out to be the right person. So, Mark, I, just a couple of comments. First of all, if I'm not mistaken, he's closed down the press. He's uh, eliminated political adversaries uh, and political parties that that oppose him. He comes from one of no. Those... I only oppose the. I only oppose the Russian parties. Not anyone else who opposes him. He hasn't cut down the press. That's just a falsehood. Total, total falsehood. Well, in any, in, event, you're reading it. What? in any event, the point that I, I really want to make is that, you know, we always uh, align these things with somebody with a white hat and somebody with a, a black hat. No question, Putin's a bad guy, but uh, I, it's really a stretch for me to believe that Zelensky's not corrupt. Why? What makes you say that? Based on what, Russian propaganda? No, not at all. There is, no, there is absolutely no evidence of Zelensky being corrupt. It never has been. You can say that Ukraine was a corrupt country over a period of time. There's no question Ukraine was corrupt. Not as corrupt as Russia, but it had been corrupt. But Zelensky personally? Yeah, no, I definitely... I definitely... There's nothing. Well, in my mind, look, I have real reservations about... I don't have proof, but I have real reservations about his integrity and honesty. He was kind of propped up by oligarchs in in Ukraine and... uh, He's an actor, <laughs> and he's done a great yeah, okay, job. Okay, but so is so Ronald Reagan was an actor. I mean, yeah. what does that prove exactly? What? You know, I mean, he, he maybe that's part of his success. Obviously, is the fact that he knows how to. He has presence, and he knows how to keep his audience and all those type of things. The same way Reagan was very successful that way because he had presence and he had charisma. But there is absolutely not one scintilla of actual evidence that Zelensky is corrupt. The only people who are saying that are the Russians and some crazy media websites in America that have picked it up for reasons that I don't understand. Well, and, and also, none. just in terms of history, it's often the case that uh, the people that we hold up in a, in a positive light like that are not deserving of the t- attention they're getting, a positive attention they're getting. That's well, that you know, that's that that's always can be true, and I'm sure we could find you know, certainly Churchill had had his faults. But I certainly rank uh, Zelensky at this point up with Churchill. Wow! <laughs> in terms of in terms of uh, getting his country together, getting getting his people behind him, uh, getting a, arranging to fight a war, getting the world to support him, yeah, he's definitely up there with Churchill in my in my mind. Well, there'll um, be I think it'll be years before history really makes a decision on this, but uh, it's just kind of of course. An- I, you know, of course, we, we we won't know. You know, history will make a decision in fifty years or forty years or whatever it might be. But right. but the reality is, right now, any of these attacks on Zelensky are just uh, a falsehoods. The Russians are very good at at planting these falsehoods. Well, I'm certainly so not. Atta- I'm not attacking him. I'm simply raising questions about him that I think are legitimate. Quite frankly, so Mark, I want to talk to you about what's happening in China. Can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? 
Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, providing policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a multimedia website, good for kids of all ages, including you and I. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. So uh, China right now, uh, apparently they've loosened the restrictions and uh, lockdown in China, but uh, apparently millions of people are getting uh, COVID. I wonder if you could give us an update. Right, we're talking probably around 25 million a day. I mean, these are tremendous numbers. And um, again, you know, COVID mostly is mild, but sometimes is not. And if you take 25 million a day, and let's say 10% of the cases are uh, severe and 1% end up in death, you end up with huge numbers. Yeah. And that, that's the reality. What, what's really interesting about this is twofold. As um, a friend who's an analyst, analyst of China for many years said, you know, we've, we've talked in, in this program, we've also talked about some of the problems that China has had with real estate and other things, but always the assumption was that despite all of their problems, they're ultimately competent. And what seems to be this is proving is they're just not competent. In other words, they made this decision without preparing for it. There's incredible shortages of just simple drugs to bring down fever because absolutely one of the one of the effects of COVID, even if you don't have a severe case, is high fever. Yeah. And of course, when you have high fever, you want to take a drug to lower your fever because you feel much better, obviously. And they don't have drugs. I mean, that they don't have it. They don't have it. They're just out of it. They're out of stock for drugs just to lower fever. Um, their ICUs are completely overwhelmed at this point. They're crematorium because most Chinese get uh, are. Um, 
are you you know go to go to crematorium to to be disposed of the body are overwhelmed their lines outside going blocks long of cars waiting to bring loved ones to crematoriums how about hospitals um, hospitals are totally overwhelmed yeah. totally totally overwhelmed there's no space in the hospitals people are dying uh, waiting for for care it's 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 much much worse than the US was in those first couple of months of covid and what's really astonishing about this is they had time to prepare you know, it's interesting um, to me, too, the other part of this, this story is the fact that the people's will finally changed the behavior of the oligarchs of the uh, uh, the uh, communist, Chinese Communist Party. They, they loosened the reins on in terms of lockdown. So what about that aspect of the story? Okay, it's a big aspect because what it proves is, again, we make an assumption that the Communist Party is in total control of the country, right? That's yep. what we all will assume with all their surveillance uh, networks and everything else. But clearly they don't think think that way. In other words, they caved and they caved completely. It was obviously a panic decision that they made. Um, they could have made the decision more, you know, slowly and slowly lifted the, re- the, re- the restrictions over a period of a couple of weeks and prepared to some extent, but they didn't. They just panicked and removed all the restrictions at one time. Um, and the result is, to some extent, right now... Uh, there's no one in the streets of, of any of the towns. I have an acquaintance in, in China. He went went there for business. He has a factory there. He says there's not one person in his factory who's not currently sick with COVID. Wow. And the streets look like a ghost town. Yeah. Uh, because those people who are not sick are afraid to become sick. So what's happening uh, to the Chinese economy, uh, economy while all of this is going on? It's at a halt. Yeah. Literally at a halt right now. Um, which is going to have an impact on on you know the world supply chains and everything else. We don't even know what what the effect is. We don't know how long this is going to go. I mean, this, theoretically, if it burns through the whole Chinese population, you could see it being over in in three four weeks, maybe five weeks, and uh, be just a couple million dead. Yeah, and that's that's going to be the end result. And um, uh, whether it's going to be herd immunity, so to speak, I don't know. But um, the reality is that the other concern, of course, is that how many variants are being created by this huge number of people who are getting the disease. Yeah. So. So, Mark, before I let you go, I would love to guess, here we are at the end of the year, and uh, we've had quite a year. It's been such an interesting year uh, in terms of international news. Uh, I wonder if you you could prognosticate or at least think about how this all adds up going into the year 2023. Well, let's guesstimate. I wouldn't even go with prognosticate, because one of the things we've learned in the last year is we can't, you know, what we assume is not necessarily what's going to happen right. to a large extent. I mean, even even though there were some signs last December, we did none of us believe that uh, that Ukraine was going to be invaded by Russia, you know, full out invasion. Yeah. So I, I would say a couple of things that we we clearly see are happening. Um, NATO, I think, finally the, the issue of um, of Norway and Sweden joining will be overcome with the Turkish and Hungarian opposition will be overcome. They will join NATO. We're seeing increased defense spending now across the board um, in most NATO countries. Um, and so NATO will be considerably stronger as a result of the Ukrainian invasion. And we can see a strengthening of NATO over the next year, next two years. Uh, same thing with Japan. That's an interesting side effect is we see Japan increasing its defense spending. Uh, so American alliances in the world will be particularly stronger uh, going, into the, going into the next year than they were, we could have assumed, a year ago or two years ago. Um, the world that would exist without America does not seem to be the case. America is once again 
leading on most of these issues. What about the uh, alliance? What about the alliance between Iran and uh, uh, Russia? And Russia. I mean, that's a, that's a, a troubling issue. The troubling, the big question for this coming year is what will happen in terms of the Iranian nuclear program. Obviously, they're very close to gaining uh, nuclear weapons. Um, pulling out of the deal in retrospect, if the Iranian, you know, here's the here's the issue really. There is a serious chance, and we've talked about this, that the Iranian government could possibly fall over the next year. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, then pulling out of the nuclear deal is a very smart thing to do because it put additional strain on the economy. If it doesn't fall and they end up with nuclear weapons this year, that was a very terrible decision. So only history is going to really be able to look at that and, and tell which way it's going to go. And I would not prognosticate which, which direction that, that is going to go in the next year. Uh, clearly, the Iranian regime is is panicking and is concerned. They have not been able to bring the the opposition under control. They've started to kill some of the leaders. It's not working. Um, so that's that's a question, a good question. Where that's going to go? We also have the question of North Korea next year. Yeah, they've continued to bluster. They've continued to fire off missiles, but where that takes them is not at all clear. Because uh, again, they're they're pushing back against. A Japan and a Korea that's rearming much more rapidly than they were previously, and so what? What? What is their goal? What is their gain? Um, they're not going to feed their people any better by doing this. So, very unknown. Yeah. Russia itself. Uh, I'm going to progress. I'm, I'm going to guess. And this is purely a guess that um, Putin may not last out the year. Hmm. Don't know, but the situation in Russia itself is not good. Uh, people are starting to get very concerned. More people are being drafted. People not, are not coming back from Ukraine, so to speak, or coming back ineffectively in body bags. And uh, there's a great deal of unrest under the surface. And uh, how that translates, I do not know. But um, if this continues, my guess is he's not going to be able to pull it off for another year or, or much more than that. Yeah. How about uh, who's aligning with China? China seems so, so getting more and more isolated right now. Well, they have some, some, some support in Africa at the moment. Um, President Biden had an African summit for the first time in like five or six years was held, which seemed to have been somewhat successful. They require, some additional, they require additional attention on our part. Um, but you have the Philippines and you have the Vietnam and all of those are aligned mostly with us and in, in Asia. Uh, they're afraid of the Chinese. Um, but again, the, uh, China suddenly doesn't look like this, the same great threat as we all thought it was. Uh, militarily, it's still getting stronger. But again, after if, if we've seen how well the Russians have done, and I put that in quotation marks, people do not know, you know, is the Chinese army any better? Mm-hmm. Um, might be, but it might not. Mm-hmm. You know, the last time the Chinese army really fought a war was with Vietnam, I guess. They they invaded Vietnam and were pushed out to some extent. And that was, when was that? That was about 30 years ago, 25 years ago, and they've had some brief battles with India. So we just don't know. Yeah, and and again, it's a very monolithic uh, uh, pop population in China, and I would suggest also kind of inhibited by its own geography. In other words, if they're going to have any kind of impact in terms of uh, aggression in the, around the world, it's got to be through the navy, isn't it? Right, to a very large extent. And again, they've got a long way. You know, they were a naval power 
uh, hundreds of years ago. But since then, they haven't been. And, you know, being a naval power, yes, you can build ships and those sort of things, but a lot of it is tradition and learning and, and generations of learning. Those, for instance, flying off aircraft carriers. Yes, you can train someone how to do it, but the whole system and everything that's involved in that is something that the United States has been perfecting uh, since, you know, before World War II. And you have generations of ship captains and admirals who grew up with that. And uh, as as the aircraft carriers have have grown and have gone, you know, have, have improved in terms of technology, um, so is the operations of them. Now you could say that aircraft carriers are irrelevant in this day and age, and maybe they are. I'm not sure. Yeah. But. The craft of naval warfare is not something you learn in a day. No, I understood. Before I let you go, again, uh, elections in Israel right now, it looks like Netanyahu's put together a government. Any thoughts? Right. So right now they're, they're scheduled to to, to um, swear in a new government on Thursday morning, 11 a.m. local time. Um, he's negotiated coalition agreements with most of his partners. They haven't been finalized. There are some... Some infighting still going on, but he really has until next Monday. If he doesn't do it by Monday, he loses the mandate. So I guarantee you, somehow he will do it. Yeah. Mark Schulman, again, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, great multimedia website for kids of all ages, including you and I. Mark, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Have for the Thank you, and have a happy new year for all your listeners. You as well. Thank you so much, Mark. All right, coming up, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Well, 
Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of many murder mysteries. Uh, nearly half of Americans aged 18 to 29 live with their parents. Can you believe that? A trend that's primarily benefiting, of all things, luxury good companies. Uh, according to a recent report from Morgan Stanley, the number of young people who've moved back home reached a height of 49.5% in 2020 during the onset of the Chinese coronavirus pandemic. That figure now has fallen to 48% in 2021, but that rate is expected to remain the same in 2022, despite many people definitely going back to work. Well, of course, then we've got the inflation issue. The trend of living at home is benefiting luxury good companies as young people enjoy greater levels of disposable income that normally would have gone to rent. We think the structural change in demographics might have been overlooked, uh, Morgan Stanley's Edward Aubin said in the company's report. One of the key democratic demographic trends in the United States and the broader Western market has been the rising number of young adults living with their parents, driving up by financial concerns, rental costs, as well as those other sociological factors like higher penetration of higher education and increasingly delayed age for marriage. Meanwhile, around 25% of adults aged 29 to 41, get this, also live with their parents, 25% to 29 to 41, with 55% of them moving in with their parents in the last year. The primary motivation for doing so was to save money on rent, despite 4 in 10 millennials living at home revealing that their parents charged them around around half of the respondents said they were charged less than $500 a month. The rise in people living at home is a relatively new phenomenon with people previously moving out at a much earlier age. According to Pew Research, the number of adult uh, Americans living in multi-generational households has quadrupled since 1971. It's an amazing fact that kids moving, <laughs> millennials moving back home, even uh, 25% of people up as age to 41. This is just amazing to me. Well, this year has seen big tech hemorrhage money like never before, forcing massive headline-grabbing job cuts. That, according to a report from CNBC, not a single one of the top 15 tech companies in the United States made a profit in 2022, even among the tech industry's big five, which would be Amazon, Meta, or former Facebook, Alphabet, uh, Google, and uh, Apple and Microsoft. Only Google's parent company, Alphabet, managed to avoid any layoffs, although there are fears that job losses are on the horizon at Google. Even these enormous revenue losses and massive layoffs have forced tech executives to come forward with an apology and admit that they made a mistake. Meta, Facebook's parent company, was an unstoppable force dominating the social media market and consistently delivering stellar returns to investors. Then, after spending billions of dollars on largely failing metaverse projects and forcing revenue to nosedive, CEO Mark Zuckerberg was forced to lay off around 11,000 employees and admit... I got this wrong, and I take responsibility for that. Amazon lost more than $1 trillion in market value in 2022. $1 trillion uh, become the world's first public company to hit that unfathomable number, according to Bloomberg, resulting in a slashing of 10,000 jobs. 
Microsoft was not far behind, reporting losses of $889 billion and laying off almost 8,000 employees. Apple didn't announce the same kind of massive layoffs as it appears, but as a result of company-wide hiring freeze, cuts, cuts around 100 recruiter jobs. These are people that are uh, hiring uh, and making decisions on who's going to come in the company. So they cut them off. And one of the highest-profile layoff events of the year was Twitter, which under the leadership of Elon Musk just cut over 3,500 jobs. Not a significant number in the grand scheme of things, but quite a big deal when you take into account it was about half of the company's employees. Musk has stated multiple times that Twitter is potentially on the road to bankruptcy. That's $44 billion investment leading to bankruptcy. Of course, he won't lose all of his money. He'll go through the bankruptcy court and probably emerge as a, a real winner. But in any event, uh, it's going to be tough times for Twitter. Tech companies on the whole laid off around 210,000 employees, almost half of those within the fourth quarter. As an industry that's always placed innovation above all else, it's hoped that next year will bring some good news for the big guns. Can you imagine if your uh, portfolio was aligned with technology for the most part? You did great for a decade or more. But uh, right now in 2022, you didn't do so good with uh, tech companies really taking a hit. The notorious infectious disease expert Dr. Anthony Fauci has complained that America is not living through a progressively is now living through a progressively anti-science era. A trend he warns is very dangerous for the future of the country. I'm smiling now when I say this because the guy is such a liar. In any event, in an interview with the Los Angeles Times, the 82-year-old responded to a question about extreme partisanship that has led many Americans to believe he should be prosecuted for crimes against humanity. I'm one of them, by the way. We're living in a progressively anti-science era, and that's a very dangerous thing when you're dealing with a very deadly pandemic, he said, already killing more than a million people in the country, Fauci explained. The interviewer pointed out that although he's among the most beloved doctors and scientists in the country, he is also among the most reviled. Fauci responded by saying that people merely didn't like his desire to make them follow basic health principles such as wearing a mask and abiding by lockdown rules. For me personally, I don't care, Fauci said, who is now officially retired from the public service, but I'm not okay with the country being so divisive that they threaten the life and safety of people like me and my family merely because I'm telling people to get vaccinated, to wear masks when appropriate, avoid indoor settings, and abide by public health principles. I mean, if that's the reason why I'm hated by the people, then that's a starry state for the country. He didn't remind us, though, in this industry that he is science. <laughs> when Republicans taken control of the House Representatives in just over a week, incoming Oversight Committee Chair Representative James Comer recently announced the launch of an investigation to Fauci's involvement in the origins of Chinese coronavirus in relation to his role in funding gain-of-function research. We will continue to follow the facts to determine what if anything, could be done differently to guard against the harms Americans have been enduring during this pandemic, Comer said. We will continue this oversight and to hold the U.S. government officials accountable for any wrongdoing and ensuring Americans' tax dollars are being used on risky researches, uh, are not being used on risky research and unsecured labs. Fauci, I think, has uh, been responsible for so many deaths primarily aligning with the CDC and with the FDA and so many others and pr propagating false information about all of these things, leading to deaths and uh, economic downturns. It's such a shame. And, of course, as, a, as an, a point of irony, 
he's the most highly paid government in, uh, employee in the government when he uh, retires. All right, coming up, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round, Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. We have with us Jim McTegg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He's now retired up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania area, and he's writing murder mysteries. They're really terrific. He started with uh, Follow the Leader, its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and its sequel, no problem. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, it's great. Uh, my catch line is my life is murder, <laughs> you know, because I'm writing murder mysteries. Uh, but I, I throw myself into all kinds of crime news, and I have to say that uh, the, the one crime in the country that obsesses me today <laughs> has nothing to do with politics, has nothing to do with college students. It's the shooting of a uh, electrical substation in North Carolina earlier this month, which exposes how tinsel fragile our entire electrical grid is. Yeah, and uh, and it's not just the shooting. Uh, at a Christmas uh, gathering yesterday, I heard from a from a, an executive of a uh, power distribution company that distributes electricity to 13 states in the east. 
Pennsylvania, Virginia, West Virginia, Delaware, Maryland, you know, a whole bunch of states, uh, we came within a hair of on Christmas Eve of having rolling blackouts because uh, this cold weather uh, did a, put a tremendous strain on the grid. So, so you know, thank God it didn't happen. Can you imagine on Christmas Eve, yeah. on top of all the other problems, if suddenly people are without electricity because so many there are so many vulnerable people when the power goes out you know people that have uh, medical equipment uh, you know hospitals oh people died in the bad weather because of that absolutely jim and it's it's a scary thought do we happen to know did did they catch the the ones that did this in other words was this orchestrated is this some sort of an overall plot to undo the electrical grid or is it just a bunch of kids uh, making mischief you know they don't know they they don't know at all. Um, they seem to think that it had something to do with a um, some kind of a drag queen show at at a venue in North Carolina. Mm. You know, somebody shot out a substation to protest the, the the drag queen show. But that's purely circumstantial. Substantial. Yeah. I mean, there's you know, they're they're just. The bottom line is the uh, police and the FBI um, have no idea who caused this right now. And you go back to 2013 in California, shooters took out a substation right. with uh, 15, uh, 15 pieces of equipment. Uh, and that was a major attack. And they still... Yeah, that crime will never be solved. So it just goes to show you uh, how exposed we are. And uh, part of me can't understand it because, uh, you know, I have home security cameras that I that I got at a wholesaler for under two hundred dollars, and they're spectacular. I mean, uh, I don't even have to plug them in; they're battery operated. Right. And uh, <laughs> you wonder why our electric utilities can't invest a few hundred dollars per substation. Uh, let me add, there's something like 70,000 substations. So uh, to just to, to underscore how vulnerable we are because, uh, you know, protecting 70,000 substations would be uh, quite an expense. Which uh, uh, just makes me begs the question about how much of our infrastructure program that we passed under the Biden administration is actually going towards uh, improving the uh, infrastructure of the uh, of the grid. Uh, yeah, well, anytime the government passes something, it, it raises more uh, questions, yeah. you know, questions of efficiency. So, for example, you, we are on the cusp of having intelligent cars, not fully intelligent, but let's say a car, car, we already have cars where technology assists drivers. You know, I love it. And the technology will improve. It may not, it may not, we may not see self-driving cars in the next 10 years, but we'll come close. Mm -hmm. So why do we have to widen highways if say we can develop a technology on major roadways that prevent people from rubbernecking? Because most of the congestion in the United States is caused by 
overbreaking. <laughs> you know, it, it's not caused by crashes. It's not caused by potholes. It's by people who uh, want to crawl by an accident scene because they're you know they're bored and they're looking for excitement. It, it's uh, so you you wonder what kind of planning and anticipation of future development goes into our, our infrastructure spending. I, I would say none. It's, you know, they're all looking in the rearview mirror, yep. and that means that money will be wasted. Yeah. No, it's, it's here, here at this point of vulnerability is just unbelievable, and yet we're kind of not paying attention to it. It's pretty darn important. And, uh, yeah, until, until what happens to us. Now, uh, you know, up here it got pretty cold. It was down around zero. I know it's cold uh, where you are. It's in the 40s for you. That's uh, probably like 30 below. Mm-hmm. But uh, for us hardy people in Pennsylvania, uh, it, it was uh, it was torture to, to go out in the driveway to fetch the newspaper. So, uh, and uh, we will realize how vulnerable we will. Well, I should say we won't realize how vulnerable we are until we have a full blown crisis. That's exactly right. I mean, we need to be taking a look at uh, all forms of energy. Well, first of all, we should uh, make America great again by getting uh, drill, 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 baby, drill, as they used to say, making us energy independent. And uh, we should be taking a look at nuclear and all kinds of energy, too, to uh, supplement uh, our right. Right now, did you know that uh, last year we actually saw an increase worldwide of the use of coal for energy? (laughs) The the irony of that. I was looking at our energy mix today. The, the problem is a, a law passed in the 70s uh, requires a retirement of older coal plants, number one. And number two, because of uh, the green movement and, and regulation, it's just uh, economically unfeasible to, to build a new, new coal plant. So, yeah. so coal is on the way out. Um, but renewables are dragging. I mean, they're such a small sliver of our energy that they really can't keep up with the decommissioning of, of both coal and natural gas plants. This is this is a uh, you know, horrible planning by our, our by the federal government. So um, you know, that's another thing we have to worry about. Uh, you know, let's assume that renewables are you know in our future and it's a good alternative. Uh, we're just lagging so far behind with the, uh, and it's an infrastructure problem. The old infrastructure is being decommissioned. The new infrastructure is not ready for prime time. Yeah, well, you know, Jim, when a monkey's swinging through the uh, jungle on vines, he always tests the new vine before he lets go of the old vine. So maybe we should learn something from the monkeys. Jim, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show, and you're just a bit of great guest. I really appreciate the commentary. So thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, Bob. All right, my pleasure. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. We've got great guests for tomorrow, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator and president of the Senate in Florida. We'll also visit with Boo Mortensen, who will join us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. It'd be a great service to our advertisers. We couldn't do the show without them. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 
For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.